Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I'm David Chen, and joining me are... Vinder Hardwar. And Jeff Kanata. And today, uh, we are going to be discussing a lot of what we've been watching. We've been watching a ton of stuff, and then if we have some time afterwards, some After Dark for you as well. So... Uh, yeah, that's what we got on tap for you today. Let's get to what we've been watching this week. Uh, I want to talk about some of the stuff I've been watching that's out in theaters right now, hopefully. Uh, I had a chance to watch Downhill. You guys hear about this movie? This is the oh, yeah. Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, Will Ferrell remake of Force Majeure. Um, yeah, so, something the world really needed, apparently. Yeah. Well, I mean... Uh, I let like me just those say, first people. Of all, yeah, I, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Those people are awesome. Very talented comedic actors. Uh, this movie uh, was hard to actually logistically. It was hard to watch. Like it, it opened in around <laughs> two thousand theaters, but like I actually had a difficult time finding a theater that played it that was near me. Um, in the sense that, like my my normal theaters did not have this movie at all. Uh, so I was able to locate a screening and I watched it, uh, and uh, it's okay. It's some people are saying it's terrible. It has a really bad Rotten Tomato score. I I don't think it's horrible, but uh, everyone seems to hate this movie, including audiences. By the way, I think it got like a C uh, plus Cinema Score or something, which is really bad. Uh, I just want to make sure that that is correct. But uh, yeah, it got a uh, actually no, I'm sorry, it got a D Cinema Score. So that's that's a, basically a, a survey of people who who went into the movie and what they thought of it, and, and you know who watched it in a theater. And uh, yeah, I, I I think here is why I just want to share my theories as to why I think this movie is bad. And I, I'll just the premise of Downhill, by the way, is mm-hmm. like like Jeff, have you heard of uh? I, I know Devin just heard of Force Majeure, and, and yeah. have you heard of Force Majeure? Do you, do you yeah. see that movie? I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. Do you know the premise of the movie? Uh, it, it, not of hand, no. It, it basically is like the, this family is out having this great ski trip, and they're having lunch, and all of a sudden, an avalanche starts coming down from the top of the mountain, right? And th- this is a ski resort that has controlled avalanches. And so they start an avalanche, and then you see this avalanche start like heading towards uh, the family that's eating and having lunch. And then the dad just freaking takes off. Like he just runs away and leaves the rest of his family there. And uh, then the avalanche hits the plate, but it like doesn't do anything. It's just, it's a very minor avalanche, but it looks dangerous. Uh, and then the rest of the movie is about them confronting the fact that the dad kind of ran away. That's a know? hilarious <laughs> concept. I love that. That's really funny. Yeah. Like you well, were going to abandon us. That is really funny. It doesn't play out funny. It sounds funny. Well, the movie on which it's based, Force Majeure, I would actually argue is like really dark. It actually, I, I know some people will think this is exaggerating, but like to me, it, it almost is like a psychological thriller to some degree because <laughs> it, it's like the, the, this. It's kind of this betrayal that's occurred, right? Like, yeah, you know, I, I love that. By the dark comedy, though, like it's yeah, dark, dark there are comedy. funny parts to it. Yeah, but I think that like I found it to be like very very dark. It does have funny parts, but I found it to overall be very very dark and. Uh, Ruben Oslin, the guy who directed Force Majeure, uh, he has a very interesting style of filming. I don't know if you uh, have you any of you seen The Square, uh, his other one of his other movies. Yep. But he has a style of filming where he essentially will keep it on one long continuous shot for a really really long time, like be, be beyond the realm of what you would think is reasonable. He'll just keep it on one shot, and um, that that inherently creates a lot of discomfort because. You're used to the normal, you know, back and forth of like cutting in a conversation, like back and forth, and and when a, a, a filmmaker doesn't do that, it creates discomfort, it creates tension, um, and that's you know the whole of force majeure is like that style. Whereas downhill is shot like a regular film, uh, so I, I think a lot of people are faulting this movie because number one, force majeure is really really good, and downhill didn't need to exist, you know, because. <laughs> Uh, Bong Joon-ho said at the Golden Globes this year, like once you're willing to overcome the one inch barrier of subtitles, you'll be you'll you'll open yourself up to like many great films. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this movie adds pretty much nothing to Force Majeure. It's not like oh, this is like The Departed, you know, where like I would actually argue The Departed adds a lot to Infernal Affairs, the film on which it's based, right? It builds on it. Yeah. I I wouldn't say it's better, but it's a different type of thing. It's very different. I mean, there's all these other characters that are introduced into the mix that have their own rich 
characterizations and histories and backstories. I mean, mm-hmm. just what that movie does with the psychiatrist or therapist character alone justifies. Sure. And also, uh, it's, it's Scorsese it's doing Scorsese. something that was in, initially like very Scorsese inspired too. So yeah, 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 that yeah. was so, fun. Yeah. So, but this movie adds almost nothing. The one thing that's good about this movie is it has Julia Louis Dreyfus. Uh, like knocking it out of the park. She she mm-hmm. puts on a really great performance as somebody who would be rightfully tortured by something like this happening. Uh and uh yeah, so so she is worth watching this movie uh or she is worth the price of admission alone for this movie, but other than that, there's, there's really nothing here. So I mean, that's one thing. And then the other thing is I think that the trailer makes it look like what movie Jeff Kanata just thought it might be, which which is like <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that seems like wacky hijinks ensue as a result, and lots of argu- fun arguments. Yeah. People and, learn about each other, and everybody is happy at the end, right? Yeah, and that is yeah. not what this movie is. You know, it is not fun, and I mean, it it has moments of levity, you know. But this is Will Ferrell trying to do a serious performance, uh, and you say that I, like I mean, he's never done that before. He he's I, I'm not. No, I wasn't trying to imply he's never. He this, he has done serious performances. This is one of those. Yeah, you say he's you trying know? to do a serious performance. It feels a little condescending. That's all. Uh, not not okay. Not my intention. But I will say that he doesn't. I will say that like putting him up against Julia Louis Dreyfus is not flattering to him. Mm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just because Julia Louis Dreyfus is so good, I say Will Ferrell does an admirable job in this film. I'm, I'm not trying to be condescending at all, but. Uh, I think people expect a certain thing when they watch a Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus comedy, yeah, and this yeah. movie does not deliver on that. And I think that's yeah. why um, it got so roundly panned by both critics and by audiences as well. So I, I my opinion on this movie is on the positive end of this movie. <laughs> like, I actually didn't have a bad time with it. And I, I always just find it fascinating. Like, when you're remaking... A movie in English, like what? Wh- I always try to think, like, what were the film? What did the filmmakers try to accomplish with this? That's what I'm looking at for when I watch this movie. And I unfortunately, found it didn't. It didn't add to. It do, It does make some changes to the plot. It does add some characters in, but I don't think it really uh, did a good job of distinguishing itself. One benefit of this movie: it's an hour and twenty six minutes long. It does not. <laughs> Thank God. Thank does God. not wear Dude. out its welcome. Yeah. Uh, which is rare in this day and age. So anyway, no no, no condescension uh, in, intended, Jeff. Uh, I, I think Will Ferrell doesn't do serious movies that often, and I always uh, encourage like actors to to stretch themselves. You know, like Adam Sandler doing Uncut Gems. That was a great performance, right? And so, uh, I no beef with Will Ferrell. You know, trying out something different than his usual uh, type of performance here. Uh, so anyway, those are my thoughts on Downhill. I thought it was fine. Most people think it's bad. And uh, it didn't do very well at the box office. But I will say, if you have a chance, watch Force Majeure, the movie on which it's based. I think it's the better film. Okay. I also had a a chance to see this movie called The Lodge. Have you guys heard of this movie? Mm -hmm. I did. Uh, There's a big slash film uh, quote praising this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Commercial, apparently. That's right. That's right. So The Lodge is the newest film by uh, Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. Uh, These are the people that did Goodnight Mommy. Have either of you guys seen Goodnight Mommy? I don't think I'll ever watch that movie. Yeah. Not, no. not at this point. Yeah. I think one thing, I mean, I love Goodnight Mommy. Uh, uh-huh. I, thought, I really love that movie. I thought it was really well made. And one of the things that these movies, between Goodnight Mommy and The Lodge, that these movies capture is like kids are really creepy. You know, like, do, do, yeah, you, do you ever find kids can be creepy sometimes? Dude, right? I listen, like, my, my daughter has just <laughs> learned to open doors. <laughs> Okay, like she's walking, she's opening doors, and like the first time that happened, I was in the bathroom, and it was like, it was that moment from Jurassic Park where the velociraptors learn to open the door, and you're like, oh shit, everything's different now. Yeah. Everything has changed. Oh, yeah. Davinjo, I, I hear you. Wait until your kid moves to the, uh, the big girl bed that she can get in and out of at will. Oh God! Uh, yeah, that's a new one. That'll that'll put yeah. the fear in you when it's uh, all of a sudden you hear strange noises from down the hall, <laughs> and you come and you you find your son uh, took all his clothes off and walked into the kitchen and turned the lights on, and he's just standing there <laughs> naked in the kitchen for no reason. Come play with me, daddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it is fascinating that uh, if you're a parent, you live with these creatures that 
theoretically have the ability to do you grievous bodily injury and have sure. barely any sense of right from wrong. And also you know? and they clearly just... want to destroy you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it, – it, it's just – anyway. So I think Goodnight Mommy and this movie The Lodge do a great job of capturing that idea. These filmmakers have an amazing sense of style and of texture. I love how their movies feel. They emphasize um, they, they, there's a lot of close-ups in their movies. Like you can see the texture of like a floor or of a person's face. There's a lot of uh, really great sound design. Like you hear the clattering of dishes in a sink or uh, the steps walking up creaky stairs. Like they 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 really uh, are. I, I think great. Uh, craftsman when it comes to making a tense and suspenseful horror film, which is why it's too bad that everyone in this movie, The Lodge, is a total dumbass. I mean, I think <laughs> that. Uh, uh, oh, I hate that. The, 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 the premise of this movie is so dumb. And I, I, I don't even know if I want to get into it. Like, uh, are you guys ever going to watch this movie? If, if not, I will, I can... will watch this movie. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, well, then I won't spoil it. But I will just say I reject. Out of hand, the premise of this movie, which, <laughs> like, you know, with, without giving anything away, I think I can safely say that characters spend time in a lodge, right? Like, the movie's called The Lodge, The Lodge, and, like, uh, they slowly kind of start to lose their grips on reality as they spend time in this lodge. And the circumstances under which those characters got to that lodge and stay in that lodge, in my opinion, make absolutely no sense. And uh, if you watch the movie, it'll become very clear, like, these characters are all acting really, really stupidly. Uh, and yeah. it's strange so it lost you at the word, the lodge, basically. <laughs> the? The? I'm with you? Okay, the? Uh, that sounds uh-huh. like a good setup. I'm really good. Go oh, lodge. No. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so here's the thing. I still like the movie because the, the directors are so freaking talented you know it's like um even if uh like a director is making a good thriller this is a bad comparison okay do not do not write in for this comparison because it's a bad comparison i'm admitting it right now but it's like when david fincher made panic room you know like i love panic room panic room's a great movie but like imagine if panic room but everyone was stupid but david fincher still made it you know what i mean uh, no, you were like, right. Okay, no, well, you were right. It was it was dumb. <laughs> it was dumb. It was dumb. it was a bad comparison. It's bad, but it's like you know what I mean. Like it's like uh, that that movie would still be interesting and enjoyable to watch, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, like just yeah, the the characters just don't behave in any rational and sane way, and that really hurts the film. But uh, love how creepy this movie is. Love how spooky it is. Love these directors. I still I still stand for them. Uh, but that's The Lodge, and uh, it's out in theaters right now. I also will just give a quick shout-out to The Outsider, which is the HBO original series. I watched seven hours of The Outsider in one weekend because uh, I remember Devendra talking about this a couple weeks ago, and Devendra, you know, you're you're never going to hear me say these words again, but you really undersold how good this show was. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. But okay, I, I think The Outsider is one of the best things on television right now. And really, um, yeah, I think it's so good. I like. I yeah, I spent the whole weekend watching it. It's it's so uh, yeah, it's really really good. So I, I do just, wonder if by binging it, maybe you're able to just like you know, yeah, you, you're consuming it faster. I feel like maybe you're not. You can overlook ab- some of the weaknesses of it. You know, you for think, sure, maybe? for sure. Like thinking about the show week to week, like. For the longest time, like I, I didn't see this week's yet. Um, but yeah, I did see I, last I week's, which plot, was pretty The plot big. moves pretty slowly. I it's can, super I slow, and also, like, I don't. Ben Ben Mendelssohn's character is one of the dumbest people. He is he's the police chief. <laughs> no, dude, but he's he is, a goddamn idiot. He is in the show. Scully. If you think Dana Scully is an idiot in the X Files. He, well, actually, I guess well, the, an argument the, the, could be thing, made that that's the case. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, yeah, but the thing is, Scully, Scully had a bit of give. She wasn't always like, she didn't see shit happening right in front of her. It was like, I don't know. It could be anything. Like, it, there, there has to be some rational explanation. Like, there there was a point where Scully, like, there was a give and pull with uh, Scully and Mulder. Give and, and take, yeah. Yeah, yeah a give and take. And it, um, I feel it's, I don't need that specifically. But I do think, uh, and the show also took like way too long to bring in Cynthia Revo, who I think is the best thing in it. 
Uh, but I'm going to keep watching because I'm in so deep. I just want to see how this dumb thing ends, basically. This show what, is, what do you think? It's so beautiful. Like, it, it is taking shallow depth of field. You know, it, it's making it an art form. And the performances are all wonderful. And uh, the circumstances un- unravel in a way that feels extremely believable to me uh, overall. Other than all the supernatural stuff that's going on. Uh, I, I think it's great. It's like, it's so good. Like, you, you know me, Devin. I don't watch like eight hours of something in one weekend unless I think it's it's awesome. I, I'm really baffled right now because it is, <laughs> to me, like, I'm not I'm not going to yuck your yum here, Dave, but it does feel like one of those things where it's like, well, I, I've seen prestige, you know, cop drama TV. Let's just add a bit of weird to it, uh, a bit of like true detective mystery and see where it goes. And yeah, I I don't hate it. I just think it's it's extremely flawed for what it is. But it it is really well written, and I do like a lot of the actors. It's just frustrating. All right. Well, that's the outsider. It's well, I'm gonna HBO have to watch this to... now. I'm gonna have to watch yeah. it to be the the deciding vote. You have to adjudicate. You have to be the Solomon to our you know two moms trying to <laughs> chop a baby in half. You know, boys. What I mean? You have to. I'm on it. Yeah. You're All on. right. The I outside... mean, you you love the uh, that last Jason Bateman show too, Jeff. Right. Ozark. Oh, yeah. I love Ozark. I, yeah. Jason ba- I feel, Jason I feel like this directed... is up your alley. Oh, yeah, because yeah, Jason Bateman directed the first episode, and mm-hmm. it, the direction is really excellent, in my opinion. Yeah, he so... directed a lot of Ozark, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, you, yeah, I you love will be Ozark. hooked. Maybe be let's hooked have a longer discussion about this once you guys see it all, because I do feel like there's key moments in the series where I feel like narratively it completely fails, but I can't mention it because they're all spoilers. In fact, I think, yeah. I think Ozark season three is soon. It's it's mm. soon in the next few months, yeah. next couple months. Yeah. I'm excited, you know, Jeff. Even though I don't think that show's very good, I I'm gonna <laughs> binge. I'm gonna binge the entire thing in the opening weekend. Oh man, that is. Like... And by the way, for everybody who has not caught up on uh, Better Call Saul, because we're talking about like middling TV shows here, uh, Better Call Saul season four just hit Netflix. Just as season five started premiering, so if you need to catch up, it's easier than ever. Uh, why did you refer to it as a middling show? No, he's saying we're not, talking about. Middling I said shows. you're talking about middling shows. So I'm just like, hey, by the way, um, here is one of the actual best shows in TV. Go catch up. Yeah, it's on I Netflix mean, so now, I season watched four. The, I watched the season premiere of Better Call Saul as well. Uh, I've grown to really love the show. It took me a while to come around to this show, but um, it's yeah. weird. It's a really weird thing. It's a, it's it's a weird uh, show, but yeah. like it's uh, it's definitely not what you'd expect for a prequel to Breaking Bad, in my opinion. Like I I I, I think I as well as some of the f- showrunners spent part of season one wanting it to be Breaking Bad esque, and it's really not Breaking Bad esque. Yeah, um, it'd be different. It, it's yeah. Breaking Bad esque in in terms of the aesthetic, like the. Uh, cinematography and the fact that they use montages and great performances and like you know uh really interesting editing and time lapses like the aesthetic is similar to Breaking Bad but the themes of the show are really really different in my opinion um and the subject matter is really different but I love it um and yeah you should catch up with Better Call Saul on Netflix and the season premiere just happened on AMC mm-hmm. so it is the Frasier to Breaking Bad's Cheers how about that I, yeah, I a feel nice, like that works. A nice contemporary reference. Very good. Yeah. Something the everybody can understand who listens. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I I feel like Netflix should have a counter for how many times I go through a series, but I've definitely clocked over 100 times on Frasier. Really? So, yeah. Wow. That it's just so wasn't good. one of those ones. I mean, I'm a little older than you guys, so I was all about Cheers growing up. Like- but also, Frasier is more your age range, Jeff, than it is mine, but somehow I spent a lot of high school watching Frasier I mean, and... Uh, yeah, Dreamy of Seattle is a very cool place. Uh, Frasier's yeah, basically a show about a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, I made right. I made it come true. Before we move on, we got to thank our first sponsor, Lensable. Jeff, can you tell people about Lensable? Oh, I'm happy to tell people about Lensable because uh, I'm happy that I learned about Lensable because I am somebody, as a lot of listeners know, that uh, recently had uh, traumatic eye surgery. Wee for me, yay for. Uh, my eye exploding. And uh, coming out of that, I had a wildly different prescription, which basically meant for me, I needed a bunch of new glasses. And I was sad because as I wanted to buy new glasses, some of the frames that I had been wearing, they don't make anymore. So I just had to get new glasses. But now I found out about Lensable, which is an online lens replacement service that actually lets you send in your old frames, they make custom lenses for them based on your specifications, and they send them back to you. They cover shipping both ways, so you don't even have to worry about that. 
And it's all online. So you don't have to go to any store. You don't have to get out of your PJs. It's all happening for you. It's great. So I got all these cool uh, all these cool frames that I, you know, there's like two or three old frames that I actually really like. And I'm going to get my new prescription put in them. You can also turn glasses into sunglasses, which is pretty cool because they do uh, sunglasses on uh, on demand as well. And they have all kinds of different shades and styles. Um, they have uh, all their lenses are custom made, tested and fitted by certified opticians in their L.A. based lab. They are anti-reflective UV and scratch resistant coatings like that all comes standard but you can like, it's really slick. You can go on their website and you go through and it has like a running t- total of, of what your, um, you know, all the, all your features and you can just click on things and see how it's going to look. It's pretty awesome. So you don't have to update your prescription if, you know, and buy new frames. You can just put them in the glasses you already love. And one of the cool things I've heard about is that people use this service as a way to get like older frames or frames they may have inherited or, you know, frames that you find in a, in a, an eclectic shop somewhere or something. And you can swap out the lenses in them so that you could put your prescription in cool frames, cool, like vintage frames or something, or turn any glasses into sunglasses. You don't even have to, this isn't even just for prescriptions. You can just put in cool sunglass, you know, not, not even prescription sunglasses, although they do that too. So we're going to give you 20% off your first lens replacement order. When you head over to lensable.com and enter the code film 20 at checkout, that's lensable, L E N S A B L.com and enter the, the code of film 20 F I L M two zero. You can remember that because you get 20% off your first lens replacement order. This is really slick. You should check this out. Uh, and I also will say the lensable folks, have been fans of the Slash Filmcast for years. How cool is that? So, again, Lensable.com and the promo code FILM20 to get yourself 20% off. Let's move on with the show. Uh, Devinder Harder, what have you been watching this week? Catching up on a few things, uh, I have seen some early screeners for Devs, the new show by Alex Garland. Ooh, and I'm so excited for that. I have that. to say, it is... Yeah, uh, it is very much up, uh, I think, both of your alleys. Um, I love this show. I love it as much as I love Watchmen, like just from the very beginning. It is a very, very weird, strange thing. Um, You know, this is Alex Garland's follow-up to Annihilation. And after that movie, like basically making something that is very practically unfilmable, but I think doing a really interesting job with that adaptation, I love that movie completely. I was really interested to see what he he would um, do next. His next show is entirely about like the exploration of uh, quantum computing and um, determinism and free will. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say too much about it, but um, you know, this is a show that takes place in San Francisco. It centers on a very powerful and large tech company uh, headed up by Nick Offerman. And they have the special division called Devs. And they're working on some weird, gnarly shit. Basically, they use quantum computing, which is something we're all researching right now, um, and have sort of cracked the code of reality. So they can see events in the past, or at least their tech can almost do that. And if you can determine the events of the past, because it's all code, it's all math, nothing's stopping you from looking at events in the future either. And the show is entirely about the consequences of this technology and, you know, the power of it. Like, uh, (laughs) I can imagine the fear we'd all have if Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or anybody of that caliber had this technology. What would they do with it? Um... This brings to light some really interesting issues around tech companies, and um, I, I wonder if this is something we'll even have to deal with. Quantum co- computing is this very strange, weird thing right now that Google and um, a lot of other big companies are following, but we don't quite know like what the uses of it will be. We're, they're all kind of betting on quantum computing um, to unearth new computing power after you know we I don't know use up all the power of the transistor and everything we can do there. Um, it's a very forward level thing. This show is just, it's, it's a really exp- interesting exploration 
of all those ideas. Nick Offerman is fantastic in it. I love the entire cast. Uh, it stars Sonoya Mizuno as this low-level coder who, because she basically becomes embroiled in this, like, crazy noir conspiracy involving her ex-boyfriend and this company, which she also works for. Alison Pill is in the show. I guess she has to be in every TV show this season because she's also in Picard playing a very similar role. Um, it's a TV show about big ideas. And I kind of love seeing that. It takes its time. It's very stylish, but it does a good job of building up these characters. And um, this idea of like, you know, if a tech company broke reality, if they crack the code of reality, what does that mean? Does it like, does it disprove free will entirely if somebody has discovered the code of reality? These are big, heady questions. I don't think the show answers them all, but it does some really interesting explorations around all this stuff. So to me, it feels like the, um, I'd say maybe like a logical successor to the questions posed by the Matrix, right? It's moving beyond the idea of what if we lived in a simulation? You know, D- does the simulation, uh, are, are, are you actually working with your own free will, even though the world you're in isn't exactly real? This takes things to another level. And as somebody who studied philosophy and loves all these deep questions and stuff, it is it's a fascinating watch. So definitely check it out. It's premiering on March 5th on Hulu. It's part of the whole new FX on Hulu thing. Um, check it out. And if you like Alex Garland, I feel like it's a great follow-up to all that. So yeah, highly recommend it. That's devs. And yeah, it'll be on Hulu on March 5th. You know, the other day I was kind of uh, surfing around uh, on the couch after a long day. And I was just like, uh, I put on Ex Machina. I was like, I'll just watch a few minutes of Ex Machina. Ended up just playing the whole thing. Yeah, uh, it's so good. I I really enjoy that movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay. Uh, Anything else you've been watching, Divindra? I also want to shout out Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, which is a fairly new show on Netflix. This is an animated DreamWorks show. Um... About a girl, it's a set in a post-apocalyptic Earth, like so many things, but it's about a girl who used to live underground who finds her way to the surface, which is populated with a giant freaking animals. And it is sort of like, it is a very anime-esque type thing, because she's this very plucky girl who's trying to solve everybody's problems. She runs into other humans and survivors, like it's... It's a bit Mad Max. It's a bit like a lot of other post-apocalyptic anime, but I really dig the characters. I dig the writing that's very music-centric, has a great soundtrack, and music also plays like a key role to a lot of this. Uh, I love the animal designs and the giant creature designs. Like they're, they're just like one major animal is like a giant rabbit that they just have to avoid uh, because if you touch the baby rabbits, the mama will come after you. Uh, There are cats that are, um, I think, uh, woodcutters. They're like timber cats for some reason, and they just wear plaid and have axes. It's all very cute and very cuddly, but I think uh, it's really well-written, and compared to like a lot of the other animated kid stuff on Netflix, I think it really stands above. Like This is something I'm enjoying watching on my own, but I really can't wait until I can show Sophia stuff like this, too. So if you like anime and if you like really interesting American animation, it's worth a look. That's Kipo and the Wonder Beasts. I'm sorry, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. And yep. it's available right now on Netflix. And uh, it looks like you also had a chance to check out Beforeners on HBO. I'm really excited yeah. about the show. Have you guys heard of the show? Yeah, I have heard of it. Yeah, it is a um, yeah, it's a Norwegian series. Uh, let me just give you the premise here, right? Uh, it's set in modern-day Norway, and all of a sudden, people from the past start appearing uh, in bodies of water. And at first, it's like people from, like, Viking era, but throughout the first episode, you're getting people from, like, you know, a couple hundred years ago to people, like, thousands of years ago. There's a big, uh, you know, a big range of people. Uh, this is basically, it's a buddy cop show. But it's set in this world, and clearly, like I think, just from the title, you can get that it's kind of also um, an exploration of like um, immigrants and you know people seeking asylum in European countries today. It is very much Alien Nation, which I think is kind of uh, they know what they're going for, right? This is a buddy cop show about immigration and how people in like a fancy uh, in the city of Oslo are dealing with like this influx of people from the past. 
And the main characters are like a, uh, a kind of a rugged modern day cop with a drug problem. Uh, and the first Viking woman uh, cop on the force. And they're forced to team up together. They got to solve murders. Got to solve some crimes. This feels if you if you liked Alien Nation, if you like that old school like buddy cop stuff, I feel like um, you guys would dig this thing. Like it is, it's well written. It's really interesting. Um, to me, it's kind of funny seeing this set in a country like Norway, where I don't know, I don't know what their diversity situation is, but it it, it it's sort of like yeah, you're bringing in other you know, very tall blonde Norwegians from the past. And that is their, um, their attempt at dealing with different people in their society. So it is kind of funny. They're making a big deal about this Viking woman coming on the forest. She looks exactly like them. <laughs> she's there's no, there's no difference. She, uh, she, her hair is just a little more raggedy cause she doesn't fully understand like modern, uh, cosmetics or whatever. Um, to, that part is kind of funny too, but I think it's uh this is my it's not quite a guilty pleasure. I think it is a genuinely a really interesting show, uh. But the premise is pretty hokey, and uh, yeah, it's it's in uh it's in Norwegian, so you gotta like read some subtitles too. But it is, I, I think it's kind of a fun thing. It's more rewarding to me than a lot of other modern shows I've seen recently. All right, that's Beforeners, and it's available right now on HBO. Gotta love I'm the ex- title. Gotta love it's that a title. Great title. Come on, yeah, it's good. It's a good title. It's a good title. Good title. Yeah. All right, Jeff Kanata, let's get to you, what you've been watching. Now, are we going to give away the premise of this thing that you've listed here on the first thing? I think we – should we? Uh, maybe with a warning. I think I would like to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, let's, let's say that um, we are going to talk about Mythic Quest, episode five, which I also watched this week. And in order to really talk about it, we gotta we got to reveal the premise of the episode. Yeah, right? yeah. So, so tell us about – why you decided to watch Mythic Quest Episode 5 this week? Well, I got a lot of feedback from my discussion with Devendra about my mm-hmm. distaste for uh, Mythic Quest. I, I had a hard time getting through the first episode, but I did finish the first episode, and I just didn't want to watch any more of the show. A lot of people messaged me on Twitter and on the Slack Filmcast saying that they enjoy the show and that particularly Episode 5 is a must-watch. Uh, yeah. So I I went back and said, okay, you know what? I want to get to episode five and I will do it. I will power through. I made it about halfway through episode two and I was like, I, I can't. I can't do this. But <laughs> It's not that bad, It's really, really, really not that bad, I really Jeff. do think it's so bad. innocuous at worst. I really do yeah. think it's that bad. But, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, so many people were saying episode five, you don't, that, need, you don't have to go, you know, chronology. You just jump right to episode five. So I was like, okay, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what I'll do. And what I found was in the middle of this pretty uh, unenjoyable for me show, somebody made an exquisite short film. Uh, yes. And they Th- ma- that's somebody being the same, the guy that was responsible for, for many other episodes. Well, yeah. It's the same team. Right. It's the same team of people. The series created. I, yeah, what yeah. I would give anything for is that this whole series was that. I would mm-hmm. love Mythic Quest to be all episode five. Make that show because episode five isn't a comedy. <laughs> episode five is a dramatic short film set in and about video games. And it's beautiful. It's so well acted. I just thought the performances were exquisite, con- it, it, containing none of the cast from the show. <laughs> it is two other <laughs> actors uh, that don't appear in any other episodes that I'm aware of. Uh, of the show. And also two other actors who I don't think get their due they quite a bit. They are so you know? good. They're so good. In this, I love them so much. Uh, this episode is really a must must watch. I, I truly agree. Don't watch, any, as far as I'm concerned, don't watch any other parts of <laughs> Mythic Quest. Just, don't listen to Jeff. Just tune okay. into episode five. You don't need – it is completely a standalone short film. Beautiful. Um, it, it is the story of – it really is the story of creating something and then yeah. it's slowly being turned into something you don't want it to be. And I very much can relate to that. Um, I think anybody that has been in, the, in, in a creative industry where you have to marry creativity with industry will feel that. If you've ever been passionate about making something but then also need to sell that thing or make money with that thing, this – will speak to that in a, such a poignant way. It's very 
powerful. It's very beautiful. It's very understated. It doesn't hit you over the head. You, I mean, it, it has themes that I think aren't revelatory. I mean, it, it, you see it coming, but it's beautiful in how it's expressed and how there are these lovely time jumps that a lot of things are left unsaid, but you know exactly what has happened. And it's about people, but it's also, you know, it's about creativity. And I mean, I just thought it, I thought the world of it. And I, and I felt it actually made me dislike the show more because this is what's possible. <laughs> that was not our intention. This is what? what's possible. They could be making every episode of this. This could be, I mean, I'm not even saying this story, but like this level of filmmaking, this level of ambition, this level of storytelling. You know, I don't even care if it was an anthology series. Like this feels a little bit like a Black Mirror type situation. Um you know, not nearly as to, to, dark. to me, I, I will say, like, it does feel like Rob McElhenney, like, just testing the waters of a very different type of storytelling for him. Like, it's not exactly it's not groundbreaking stuff, but it is very, like, good natured, really, like, wholesome story about creativity. But it's also, like, very romantic yeah. as well. Like, it's it, yeah. it has a meet cute. It starts off like a rom-com, basically. Totally. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Kristen... Miliati and uh, what's his face? Uh, Nick Johnson. from New Girl. He's yeah. so good. He's he yeah. is Jake so Johnson, good. Man. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that guy to, to for his career to like blow up because New Girl was good, um, but I feel like he wasn't he a regular on New him. Girl. I think if you're a regular on a show for he many years, he was a regular. Yeah, but it's sort his of like blew up. If, well, if I mean, you're a regular like a on a popular career. show, you've already you've already blown up in my opinion. Like you already. Millions of people. I'm have waiting seen for his film basis. career, Jeff. Like to, or Dave, like something more than Let's Be Cops. Okay, but like he, is, he had Let's Be Cops. He, is, he was in Spider Man uh, into the Spider Verse, if I'm not mistaken, as well. He was. Uh, he was yeah. the voice of Slubby Spider Man. The voice so, of Slubby Spider Man. Yeah. He's, He's good. very good. He's very good in this, and yeah. particularly in this. And I think the the like the care and attention to detail in this of, of creating different time periods that you jump into. Uh, I, I just found it to be so much better on literally every level than any other of the episodes that I saw of Mythic. Well, I only saw one and a half more others, but you know, yeah. I just, it just, it just like a, a quantum leap of, of production value and storytelling and ambition. And mm -hmm. it just made me go, man, they could have been doing this with every episode if they wanted. It does. It does tie into the show. I mean, enough. Barely. And maybe if we get it, yeah, if we get into season two, like, I would it, hope it, it, some of these see, characters would, like, play a role. In it's it, already been renewed for season two, so we'll, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, we did get this lovely email from Gretchen. Uh, Gretchen writes in uh, to slash filmcast at gmail.com. Uh, just listen to your review of Mythic Quest, and after hearing Jeff talk about how different it is from the actual experience of working at a game company, I felt compelled to share my story with you. Eight years ago, I started an educational game company to teach kids programming with my significant other. We moved across the country to Silicon Valley, raised venture capital, and now run a successful business together, despite the many trials that every founder faces. We are no longer together, but committed to keeping our working relationship strong for the benefit of the company. Mythic Quest has been a joy to watch. I've never felt more seen by a TV show. I was thoroughly enjoying Mythic Quest before episode five, but that episode hit home. Starting a company with someone is an extreme bonding experience. I imagine it's similar to having a child with someone. While Doc mm -hmm. and Beans, the characters of the show, didn't have children, they made something great together. Words can't express how it felt to see my story played out in such a beautiful way. My ex is also watching Mythic Quest and brought this episode up to me. After four years apart, all he had to say was, did you see the episode with Nick from New Girl? <laughs> <laughs> I replied, yes, I loved it. And we had a silent moment of reflection and understanding. I will admit most of the show is a simple comedy, but each episode presents a situation with a kernel of truth. The shovel had me hooked in episode one after endless hours of discussing a seemingly simple feature with my team, only to have my co-founder come in and say it was missing something, then sending us on a spiral into days of trial and error until we transformed <laughs> it into something truly great. We also constantly worry about kids drawing penises in our game. TTP is a real thing. The relationship between Poppy and Eon... Uh, 
Ian, right? Ian yeah. is so familiar to me as well. But they spell it Ian. Yeah, they yeah. spell it. Poppy and Ian are two people who care for each other, but also get under each other's skin constantly. They both want what is best for the game and the players and show it in their own unique way. I wasn't able to watch Silicon Valley because it was too real. It made me stressed about all the same things I was already stressed about in my day-to-day life. In my opinion, Mythic Quest has found the perfect balance of comedy and reality to make it a heartfelt and hilarious viewing ex- experience. Thanks, Gretchen. Uh, the founder of Codable, K O D A B L E. So that that is a a spirited defense. Well, I, and I I love that Mythic that she's Quest. getting that out of it. I think that's amazing, and I certainly agree wholeheartedly with everything she said about episode five. I think I think episode five is truly beautiful and one one of the great episodes of television uh, that I've seen lately. Yeah. I just it's just such a departure from the rest of the show. Yeah. Yeah. So even if you haven't seen any Mythic Quest, just watch episode five. You you will not. Uh, yeah. According to Jeff, you will not be missing that much. So. Uh, well, uh, before we move on, we got to thank our, our second sponsor for, uh, the day feels Devinder, you want to tell people about feels? Sure. So I take CBD, uh, every, every so often to help me deal with anxiety and stress and things like that. And I have found feels to be the best option for getting CBD here in New York. Uh, you can get it pretty much anywhere. You could get them at bodegas. You could get them in stores, but you never quite know like what the quality level is and uh, feels I find to be really great because it's very high quality CBD. You actually know what you're getting and it's delivered right to your doorstep. And yeah, like I said, I use it to help reduce stress uh, before my flights, especially when I'm flying with my child it is very helpful to have some stress reducer stuff. Um, so I typically take CBD for that. And it really helps the whole struggle of flying and uh, anything that's super stressful. It just really helps it all kind of melt away. So feels is easy to take. Uh, you just have to drop a few, uh, place a few drops under your tongue and you'll notice a difference. If you're for, if you're new to CBD, it's kind of an amazing thing. It's sort of like a veil of anxiety just gets lifted from your vision and from your life. And I really appreciate that. Feels has real human support. So if you're new to all this, you can call a hotline um, or chat with a person to figure out the best dosage. And it's all pretty natural, too. Um, you know, there's no high. There's no hangover. There's no addiction. It's just something you can take if you need um a bit of a break from the anxiety of life. So you can join the Feels community, get it delivered to your door every month, and you'll save money in every order. You can pause or cancel at any time. And I should say, I'm just going to read off something from their website here. Representations regarding the efficacy and safety of Feels have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The FDA only evaluates food and drugs, not supplements like this product. This product is not intended to diagnose, prevent, treat, or cure any disease. I'd say, as always, if you have any questions, talk to your doctor about this stuff. I found feels to be the best option for CBD. It has me feeling great every day, and I think it can help you too. Become a member today by going to feels.com slash filmcast, and you'll get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's F-E-A-L-S dot com slash filmcast to become a member and get 50% off taken off your order uh, automatically with free shipping. Feels.com slash filmcast and that is the character slash not the word slash jeff canada uh what else have you been watching this week man i thought i was gonna be watching so many things because i went uh went to hawaii and i thought oh man there's gonna be so much time and i filled up my ipad with downloaded netflix and amazon prime stuff and i just thought oh it's gonna be so great (laughs) silly me i didn't realize having two kids on vacation is not a vacation uh, and my wife I, and I, I will say, like, I, I meticulously curate my, you know, downloaded things on Amazon Prime and Netflix before <laughs> I go on a thing. Yep. And I, w- I end up watching like maybe 5% of it. Yeah. Pretty much. I watched yeah. 0%. Yeah. Your, your problems sound really, really hard, Dave. Like, what is preventing you from watching uh, those things on your trip when you're not wrangling a child? It's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah. We were in bed yeah. by 8.30 every night and utterly... <laughs> destroyed utterly just exhausted yeah. beyond <laughs> vacations don't exist anymore uh, they just don't dude it's crazy it it was we were pummeled into submission <laughs> it was uh it was rough <laughs> uh so i thought i'd have a lot of things and and uh one of the things i watched this week uh, we will be talking about next week so uh i can't talk about that but i did get a chance to watch a new movie you know we talked last week uh the, during the sonic review about um Ben Schwartz, who I just think the world of, I think that dude is super talented and funny and and 
just great all around. Uh, and so I was very excited to see that he had teamed with Billy Crystal in a new film called Standing Up, Falling Down. I'm also a massive Billy Crystal fan. I just think that guy's great uh, as well, especially at this point in his career. He's just doing some interesting stuff. And so I, w- I, I immediately checked out Standing Up, Falling Down, which is, uh, I think, in select theaters, but I saw it on on demand um, on Amazon Prime, um, rented it. And it's the story of, it's really kind of an interesting take on a well-worn idea of the the young guy who is trying to be a stand-up comedian and uh, has to move home for a little while and then meets uh, a dermatologist played by Billy Crystal that he befriends and they start an interesting relationship. Uh, and, and I think the interesting thing about Standing Up Falling Down is these movies tend to be about rediscovering your creativity and finding out that you really can achieve your dreams. And this movie is basically about a guy going, I failed. I failed at what I wanted to do, but that's okay. It's okay. I can, I can just be, I can go back to my hometown and that's okay. And I thought that was a kind of a refreshing take of it's not so such sunshine and roses about, uh, you know, well, if you just believe in yourself, you'll succeed. No, sometimes, no, you won't. Um, and uh, I didn't think the movie was great, but I thought there was enough in it that was, uh, I mean, it's a sweet movie. It's a. It's not a big, broad comedy. It's a, It's very much a dramedy, uh, and it is a, a sweet movie. It is one of those movies that just spectacularly fails the Bechtel test, and I can't not notice that anymore. I really can't. It is uh, it is really egregious in this movie. There's a, a, an entire character that only exists to pine away uh, for a man. Uh, and uh, she's treated very poorly in this movie um, and really is the only female do, of note. I mean, I guess the, our main character's sister is also there, but boy. Um, but, you know, overall, I thought it was a, a, a pretty um, – a, a pretty sweet movie. It's certainly very missable. I don't think it is a must see, but I, you know, there was enough in it that I kept watching throughout again, short movie. It's like 90 minutes. Uh, and Billy Crystal puts in some good work. Um, Ben Schwartz puts in some good work and it's, um, you know, it's a sweet little movie standing up, falling down. Yeah. The standing up, falling down. I'll be honest. I thought there was some movie called standing up. I hadn't heard of, and that you were also going to talk about the <laughs> 1993 Joel Schumacher thriller, uh, falling down starring Michael Douglas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no. no, it turns out it's, two, it's one movie standing up. Falling. This is down. why I need to be using so. semicolons to separate things, uh, individual <laughs> things and then commas in yeah. the punctuation of movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before we wrap up here, we want to thank all the people who donated to the Slash Filmcast. A big thanks to Connor, who writes in, Hey, Slash Filmcast, I'm donating this money today as a housewarming gift to my mate, Troy Gordon. He introduced me to your great podcast two years ago and has recently moved into his first house. Congratulations, Troy. Your friend always, Connor. Wow, that's what great. A nice, uh, what a nice message. Yeah, congratulations, Troy. That's awesome that you became a homeowner. Yeah, Troy, welcome to uh, getting to witness entropy in real time. (laughs) You know, Jeff, it's it's fascinating hearing about all these major uh, life milestones and accomplishments from you, Mm -hmm. uh, because it seems to be a hall of never-ending misery. Yes. uh, Oh, you've got it. Then I'm expressing myself well. Adulthood right, is well, a hall of never-ending miseries. Don't grow up. Stay young forever, everybody. That's my advice. Yeah. All right. Well, we got some After Dark stuff for you guys. Uh, but until uh, then, you can find more episodes of this podcast at SlashFilmCast.com. Email us at SlashFilmCastGmail.com. Our spoiler bumper comes from filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. Our theme song comes from AdamWarrock.com. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. Uh, Jeff Kanata, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Well, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I do a video game podcast called DLC that you can find at 5x5.tv slash DLC. And I do The Dungeon Run, which is a live play Dungeons and Dragons show. You don't have to know anything about Dungeons and Dragons to enjoy it. It is epic storytelling, improvised as we go. But boy, it's 
pretty darn cool. Uh, I urge you to give it a shot. You can find it a number of ways as an audio podcast. It works kind of like an audiobook. It's really great. Uh, you can find that anywhere you get podcasts by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can also find it on YouTube as a video show. It's a, you can just see the animatronic puppet that we've got and lots of other cool stuff. If you go to YouTube and search for The Dungeon Run, or you can watch it live as we record it on Wednesday nights on at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time on caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. How about you, Davindra? You can find me on Twitter at, at Davindra, and I write about tech at Engadget.com. Be sure to check me out on the new Engadget podcast there. And I have a YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen, S-K-Y. Subscribe to my videos there. Next week, we will be reviewing Onward, the new Pixar movie, Onward. That I'm sure you all remember was coming, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, for the purposes of this podcast, I did remember that. So uh, we're, yeah. we're marketing this movie for Pixar. Yeah. They should pay us. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Well, um, yeah. Tune in next week. Uh, that's going to be our main review. We look forward to talking with you about it then. See you later. Welcome to the Slash Filmcast After Dark, the part of the show where we talk about a variety of random topics that didn't make it into the regular episode. So we got a few potential topics to talk about tonight. Let me uh, let me hit you with this one. Let me hit you with this one, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. We got this email uh, writing into slashfilmcast at gmail.com that I wanted to get to. Uh, so this email was uh, about... Um, Black and white movies, specifically oh, the black and white versions. Fascinating of to me. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is uh, from Brody from Newcastle, Australia, who writes into slash filmcast.gmail.com. Uh, huge fan of the show, and I am enjoying the new format one week in. What do you guys make of the emerging trend of re releasing movies in black and white? Some recent examples include Parasite, Logan, Matt, and Mad Max Fury Road. I have loved watching these re-releases, and in my mind, it's a fascinating way to learn about the form. So recently, I have been setting my own TV to black and white anytime I'm re-watching an old movie I've seen before. The impact of this to me seems bizarre and almost counterintuitive. John Wick Chapter 3, a vibrant movie, fucking crushes in black and white. Before Sunset, a somewhat muted movie feels kind of lifeless without color. The Social Network could take it or leave it. Phantom Thread, beautiful in black and white, but Boogie Nights feels lacking. What do you think is going on here? Also, is the color equivalent of listening to podcasts? I'm sorry, is this the color equivalent of listening to podcasts at two times speed? Hmm. Am I How bastardizing the creator's vision? Thanks no. for all you do. I look forward to the podcast each week, and I finally brought my wife on board with a little woman discussion. Note, <laughs> uh, I know that my TV set to black and white won't entirely replicate what a director or colorist might create, but I'm just wanting to value the framing slash shot choice, etc. So that comes in from Brody uh, from Newcastle, can, Australia. Can I tell Thanks you what my email. first reaction to reading this email was? Tell me. God, I wish I had this kind of spare time. <laughs> uh, to be rewatching, to be rewatching movies, like movies in yeah. black and white as an experiment. In different color yeah. settings. Just experimenting. Yeah, yeah. Just hours of free time <laughs> disposable to just try something like this. Ah, man. What, what a life this person must lead. So it's great. Bro- Brody, great. I, I I cannot support what Brody is doing, unfortunately, because like, like forcing the black and white. Yeah, right. Like, because basically, when when a movie is released, like Parasite, Logan, or Mad Max, that those are all supervised by the director. As he acknowledged you know, that Brody acknowledged that. Yeah, yeah, he acknowledges that. Yeah. yeah, but like, in my opinion, like one should try to watch the movie in the uh, one should make mm-hmm. a good faith effort to watch a movie in a format that the director intends. Totally, agree. Uh, totally and agree. so I don't, I don't support like just desaturating your t- your monitor and like. Well, I, I think for like what they're pointing out, though, like I remember in some film classes I did, like this was the thing where you know uh, the the professor would like tweak the settings a bit uh, of the picture to point out like how shadow is being used and how lighting works differently when you're not being distracted by the color. So yeah. it is like a good technique for looking at form and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, I, w- it, I wouldn't it, watch a whole movie like that. It's for, good. Yeah, it's it good as an exercise for, for sure. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but I, I really love the black and white releases. I actually have, be, you know, I've seen Mad Max Fury Road probably, I don't know, four yeah. times in theaters. 
and one of them was black and chrome version. I also nice. have the black and chrome version on blue. I have like three different <laughs> copies of the Mad Max Fury Road. Blu-ray. As you should. What what if something happens to one? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You gotta Thank have you, your Fury Road. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, one of them is a black and chrome version, and I love it. Um, so good. And. Uh, uh, the Logan Black and White, yeah, Logan is, Black and White is phenomenal. Uh, yeah. I I did not I have not seen the Parasite um, uh, Black and White, and okay, I mean, I, I think it was a couple weeks ago on the podcast where I was talking about how bad the Parasite Blu-ray was in terms of special features, mm-hmm. and I think literally that week they announced Parasite was coming to Criterion. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna have to double dip on that one. Um, but I, they gotcha. I, I have to assume that Parasite Blu-ray uh, or Criterion Blu-ray will have the black and white version of Parasite that Bong Joon-ho um, supervised and approved. Mm-hmm. But you know, really, when you're watching a black and white version of a movie, they're removing information. They're taking information that was in the movie. They're taking it out, and as a result, it's allowing you to appreciate the remaining information that's left a little bit more perhaps it's allowing you to focus more as Devendra indicated on the remaining information and uh I, I yeah i love that idea i love the practice i love these black and white versions that he's talking about um so i'm a big fan big fan of the idea of mm-hmm. black and white re-releases and would encourage people to check them out it's a great way to learn more about what you love about the movies that you love um yeah. if you're if you're a fan so you don't think that uh this kind of experimentation, I I totally sympathize and agree with the idea that it is not what the director would have wanted, but it's it's almost it's all. I don't think that that's the point. Like it's not. This isn't yeah, what the yeah, movie yeah. would be if it was black and white re released. It's like, well, what can I glean by doing this myself? You know, it's like I I I, I don't think you can coherently hold a position. For what you're saying, Jeff, and also against listening to podcast two X speed, <laughs> which is something that you apparently well, hold. no, no, like the the whole <laughs> podcast listening thing. That is a you're qualitatively, you know, affecting how the thing is produced to consume it fast. I have no. This is I, about like taking a step I have, back. Yeah, hear hear me clearly, David. I have no, <laughs> I have no problem whatsoever with someone listening to one of my podcasts at two X speed the second time. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's right, what this, right, yeah, that's right, what yeah, Brody right. is talking about. Yeah, okay. Right? Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 I think yeah, I yeah. think that the the idea here is like let's try a, a food I know I love, but I'll hold my nose and see if the smell taking smell away changes the flavor. It's a it's an experiment that he's doing, and I find it kind of interesting that yes, it's not how these movies would be released if they were black and white. It's him going, what do I get by tying one arm behind my back and doing a thing? You know, like what, what, what changes about it? And I find like I said, I love to have the spare time to devote to something like this, but, (laughs) but, you know, and I laud someone that, that does like, it's a, it's a really kind of interesting and cool experiment. I mean, I think that's the best word for it. He's just going, what, what else do I get out of something that I'm already super familiar with if I, you know, change an aspect of my experience with it? Uh, well, Jeff, you know, I take it back. I think that is a totally coherent position. Then. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I, I think what I'm afraid of is Brody getting too excited and, and showing people movies who are watching it for the first time in some kind of unapproved format. You know, that, I don't uh, think that's what he's saying. He's saying, that he's saying I, I know these movies. I, I find them familiar. I want to rewatch them this yeah, different yeah, yeah, way yeah, to yeah, see no. what, what else happens. Like, what do I notice about them? What, you know, these are movies he seems to be very familiar with. I think you're right. I think you're right. So I, I take it back. I think it's actually then, uh, okay. As long as, you know, it's for your own personal, yeah, dude, anything is basically okay for your own personal viewing. But when you start uh, showing it to others that way or whatever, mm-hmm. then that's a whole different ball game. Would you agree with Listen, that, Jeff? Of course. Yeah. And I don't, but I don't think he's even advocating yeah. for that. But I, you know, obviously yeah. I wouldn't yeah. say, yeah, turn it into, you know, how you show someone a movie for the first time. But I, I think you'd have a hard sell on that anyway, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, I guess I'm just, I'm trying to schedule a parasite viewing party at my house, and so this is all, it's on my mind. Oh, would you, would you would um, you would you because it was supervised? No, I wouldn't. No, <laughs> whatever you're about to yeah. say. Yeah. yeah. 
It's insane. It's insane. Do not forget, though, that uh, Steven Soderbergh uh, released a black and white version of Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's his like, movie. This is a fun experiment. <laughs> and that's, that's uh, well, Soderbergh, too. Yeah. So it's like, it is somebody, it is another director looking at Raiders like as a fan and sh- trying to show it to people in a different way. And I found that really fascinating at the time. In case it's not obvious, by the way, I, I, I know you guys are probably aware of this, but like, I don't know if all of our listeners are like, j- simply converting something to black and white is not, th- there yes. are many different ways yes. you can render any given scene in black and white, depending on what color filters you're using and so on. So basically the process of converting something to black and white actually takes, uh, I, I don't know about a lot of skill, but certainly it's not a it takes switch, a lot of intention now. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's, it's. I just want to make clear it's not. It's not a switch you flip and like it's all done. Like there are not as many decisions as you need to make with a color film, but like a lot of decisions creatively that go into a black and white version of a movie. So, uh, just wanted to make sure that was clear. Okay. Um, speaking of uh, Blu-rays, uh, I wanted to just acknowledge this uh, YouTube video that was published this week by Cinemassacre. Uh you guys know this guy he's uh, he was the original like angry video game nerd um yeah. and he published a video uh recently about I guess it's not this week but it's recently about uh how Blu-ray is a terrible format and uh I got to say it was it was like 10 reasons why Blu-ray is terrible uh and I got to say I I think it was uh pretty good uh, ten, 10 reasons blu-ray sucks is the name of the video and uh, i'll link to it in the show notes but uh he, he essentially lays out like all the reasons that blu-ray is terrible and i i have to say i, I kind of agree with many of them you know give us a taste uh okay like, so, such as? Here, okay so here's one here's one um now each one of these is not a big deal Okay, each one of these is not a big deal, but together <laughs> added up. Already backtracking. I see. <laughs> I see. But one of them was was like uh, blue Blu-ray uh, menus are are terrible. Like yes, d- like DVD menus were so creative back in the day. You know, you'd have menus that were <laughs> like attacking uh, the menus. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. Like most Blu-ray menus are bad. They all look the same. Who right? cares they about all the use, menus? Like, the same, yeah. Well, also, it's like it is good to have standardized menus so you know where to go to actually okay. play your movie. But but, but yeah, you guys, I yeah. mean, do you guys remember like I remember. Do you guys remember like like DVD menus? Many of them were so creative. I remember like the <laughs> Memento uh, DVD, the Memento Director's Cut DVD. You had to enter in like a code <laughs> so that you could so that yeah, you that could, sounds like fun. You could access a version of the film uh, that was in chronological order. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- there were there was fun, cool stuff like that. I also remember DVDs that were impossible to yes. navigate because whoever designed that <laughs> they, thing, like, yeah. like, yeah, would put the play button. They're in trying the weird to be spot. Cl- it's, cute, okay. you know. They're trying to be yeah. overly cute. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't open with a strong. That's true. Deal, okay, I didn't open. The Can strong I just deal. say that? Yeah, but this, I would say- this whole endeavor comes <laughs> off to me a little bit like the dude in the Model T driving up and being like, you know what sucks? Horse and buggy. It's like, yeah, it's dying. <laughs> Let it die, dude. You're driving the Model T. He's literally on YouTube talking about how crappy Blu-ray is. Like, yeah, you won. YouTube will be here longer than Blu-ray, dude. You don't have to crap on it. Well, I think that uh, one of the reasons that it's worth acknowledging is because, like, maybe if Blu-ray hadn't sucked so badly, it w- like, the medium wouldn't be dying quite as quickly. I, I don't think that's maybe. true either, no. but no. no, okay, no, not at all. all. First of all, like Blu-ray did really, really well, like for a time. Like even even though like physical media sales were dying, like it did. It, it I don't think it was ever as it big never as DVDs as were. As DVD. but was, that that yeah, wasn't not even necessarily close. Blu-ray's fault. Like like uh, like say, DVD yeah. could could make or break a film. Like a movie. Sure. Didn't do well in theaters. It could you could make it up in the DVD sales. That is not the case. With but Blue. that's not a fault uh, cer- of the format. Not that's, that's because yeah. the entire okay, okay. Econ- so, economics. So, okay, of- fine. that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. That's fine. Look, look I'll just <laughs> say the arguments, and apparently you disagree. But <laughs> all right, yeah, okay. Uh, menus but, one. What's the next one? Menus one. Okay, another thing is like uh, the fact that often like Blu-rays, you need to download updates, mm. right? And that is terrible. Like how often I've is never that? Experienced that? But go ahead. Okay, and and then uh, you know the uh, time. Basically, 
I would say the one that I is the most important to me is the time it takes to actually get to the movie. Yeah, they're slow. Is they're way super way slow. longer on a Blu-ray than a DVD. Yeah, right. Yeah, like because because DVDs you could basically most of the time you could access like the main menu at any time, and then you could just cut straight to the movie. And in Blu-ray, there's like many times it's like unskippable or super hard mm-hmm. to skip. Many, many minutes of trailers. I, I don't know why they do that because it's like they're punishing you. Yes, they're for punishing buying you for buying the thing. It. <laughs> Whereas the people who download get like pristine ripped copies without <laughs> any of the like ad bullshit. It's like you're not stopping people from pirating. Uh, you are just making life harder for your real consumers. I do. I do feel like what we're basically 15 years on from when like Blu-ray became standard and from yeah you know, when we moved into the HD era. It would be nice if players just kind of were able to just start playing the movies immediately once you plug them in. I will say, nice thing about Blu-ray, overlay menus, readily accessible everywhere. That That wasn't always there for DVD. That's a benefit. That's a benefit. Yeah. But, but, okay, well, Jeff, you know. What else you got, Dave? Come on. I'm not going to go through all 10 of them. I'll just say those. I found it very convincing. I'll link to the show notes. You can decide whether or not. It's very easy to sit back in the year 2020 (laughs) and be like. You know, man, this format, look at all these problems. And I agree, like they're slow. It's not great at times. And hey, I was, I bought into HD DVD before Blu-ray. I still have a stack of HD DVDs I need to like rip and put into my Plex server or something. Um, I, sh- I should hate Blu-ray. I should absolutely hate Blu-ray, but I, you know, I don't. Um, I, I think as a format, like it, it kind of did the job that it needed to. But yeah, there are certain bits. It's slow. It's archaic. Th- those things, not so great, but it's not a terrible yeah, the dude format. who's sitting yeah. there on his, you know, his platform <laughs> that is instantly available anywhere on any device all the time is like, you know, what sucks this. But yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Gloat. <laughs> but also my question to you guys is, do you think that uh, 4K Blu-ray being in the PlayStation 5 Will reverse any of that? Will it move the needle at no, all? No, it's, no, it's this shit is dead. I, like I, Sony, Sony did not support their own format on their own console. Like, yeah, yeah up so until you're, up you're until alluding to the fact that PS4 Pro does not support 4K UHD, right? Or the PS4, yeah, yeah. but PlayStation PS4, Five yeah. reportedly will. Yeah, reported. Uh, it's 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 fascinating that we are living at the end of physical format yes you know like 4k uhd is probably going to be the last physical format we ever have i will say 4k uhd i wrote this in 2016 that 4k uhd was a dead format and it it pretty much is like we don't have the sales data for it because i'm sure it's abysmal but (laughs) but if you're a movie fan like us buy all those damn 4k blu-rays that's a that's an amazing you're getting like projector level copies of your movie at home like yeah I try to I try to buy the 4K of like everything that I can basically every everything Mm -hmm. that I'm remotely interested in watching I'll get the 4K for it. I'm really yeah I'm really sad to hear you bought the Parasite Blu-ray because I am still holding out hope that they would uh, apparently France got a 4K Blu-ray and the digital copies of Parasite are 4K HDR as well. Yeah, I don't the Blu-ray is a step back. It's weird. Criterion does not do 4Ks as far as I know. So yeah, I I basically I at Criterion almost every day on Twitter is like where where the 4Ks at guys. Mm. Okay, well, give that me does something. not sound like an unhinged person at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I'm completely normal. I uh, I I will say uh, also Criterion. By the way, I don't know if you heard, but they also announced that they're going to be releasing Bong Joon Ho's Memories of Murder nice. uh, on uh, Blu-ray, which I'm very excited about. Uh, mm-hmm. That movie has been released on DVD in the past, but it has not gotten a legit US for. Uh, Blu-ray release, as far as I know, it was like, on all on YouTube for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just, but just there. That yeah. that is my favorite movie by him. I actually rewatched Mother recently, uh, and that movie has a uh, Blu-ray transfer that looks like ass. <laughs> it's very bad. Um, it's not good, and that's very unfortunate. I think Magnolia handled that one, and. Uh, all basically all of his movies need a good spiffing up on Blu-ray, but sure, uh, I would like that is one that I'm going to pre-order. You know, I don't pre-order Criterion's very often, but that's one I'm going to pre-order. Memories of Murder by Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. Um, I want 4K restorations for everything. Now is the point where we'll say like, forget Blu-ray. You know, like g- give me give me the good shit. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think we can wrap it up there, folks. But uh, thanks for listening to the Slash Filmcast After Dark. We'll see you next week with our review of Onward. <laughs>